Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, Nate Burleson. Coming up, we talk about growing up in an athletic family, putting on from my hometown, Detroit, and the importance of diversifying your skill set. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. You know the rules. Download the podcast. Refer a friend. What has been your favorite theme? Who has been your favorite guest? Who would you like to see on the show? Leave a five-star rating. I do a new episode each Thursday. I also write a column in the New York Post. That's right. I'm a columnist. Look down at your phone right now. Who's texting you? What should I do? What do you think about this relationship? What do you think about this career decision? That's what we do here. This is my therapy, and I get to share it with you. This week's theme is the extra yard. We're talking about showing up early, staying late, taking a class, being 1% better every day. Not for your job or for your parents, but for yourself. What are five ways that you, you, you can get out of your own way? What is something you can do to make your life easier for tomorrow? Not your kids, not your mate, not your coworker. What's something you can do to make your life easier tomorrow? What's something you can read that's going to enrich your life? More than likely, you may not find it on social media, but Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter sometimes does provide the inspiration that you need. That's why it's important to follow people that inspire you, to make you think, that have you come out of your comfort zone psychologically, mentally, and make you want to be a better person, make you want to have a good day. I always tell you, people come into your life for four reasons, to add, subtract, multiply, or divide. Choose wisely. Be a sponge. I do it on social media. I do it in my personal life, my professional life, my emails, my texts, my DMs. Follow, read, think about things that inspire you. But also think about things that make you work towards your goals. When you take your next meeting, what do you hope to get accomplished? Execute your plan because we're all given a gift each day. We get to wake up and decide who we're going to be and how we're going to show up. If you're fortunate enough to have a job, especially during these times, I know how pressing it can be to hit your marks and to make sure that you're delivering. Make sure, even if it's for five minutes a day, make sure you put some work in on yourself. My next guest knows all about that. Nate Burleson is in a close-knit fraternity of athletes who have successfully made the transition from player to broadcast journalist. He went to extra yard for himself when he enrolled in the NFL broadcast boot camp almost a decade ago. 
Now he's coming to your living rooms as the new co-host for CBS Mornings, which you can watch every day. Coming up, we talk about growing up in an athletic family, putting on for my hometown, Detroit, and the importance of diversifying your skill set. Up next, Nate Burleson. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Today's show is a family affair. It's a family affair. My next guest is the newest co-host of CBS Mornings, Nate Burleson made a major pivot from pro football player to morning show host. He has like 10 television shows and podcasts. He's really (laughs) crushing it. And he made a huge impression on our most recent guest, the queen, Gail King. You can find him on the small screen every day, all day. And I'm just so happy that my brother, and more importantly, former Detroit Lion is joining the show, Nate Burleson. What up, though? It's an honor. Um, you know, just to, to share any type of medium with you is an absolute blessing. You know, you've been the, the, the big bro and the mentor for a long time. Thank so you. anytime I hear your name, they say you got to pull up, Nate. I said, if Jalen is there, I am Thank you. Thank you, family. I appreciate that. And I know your background and I know your story, but I'm going to ask you questions like I haven't been stalking you in your career for a long time. <laughs> it's all good. All right, so you were born in Canada, raised in Seattle. Your yep. dad was a football player. Your yep. brother played in the NBA. A lot of people yep. don't realize this. You were the only two siblings to ever play in the NFL and the NBA at the exact same time. Yeah, in two well, different sports. He in two different sports. He was playing for the Charlotte Bobcats while I was playing for the Minnesota Vikings. So it was pretty surreal. Shout out to my mom and dad. They, uh, they raised four boys and did it the right way with uh, struggles along the along the journey. Absolutely. That's that's where I was going. So what was it like growing up for you? And when did you know you wanted to pursue football? Well, my dad played in the CFL, like you said, played a little bit in the USFL. So he didn't have that long money. Um, you know, so growing up, I didn't know my dad as the football player. I found that out as I got older mm-hmm. and started to pursue mm. football. I knew my dad as a dude that left the house, worked a nine to five plus overtime. And my mom did the same thing. So raising four boys, it was a competitive household. Um, you know, and there were times where, you know, we might've been a little broker than average. And when you're mm-hmm. young and your parents are handling it the right way, you don't really know. You know, if mm-hmm. you're eating top ramen for two weeks straight, you yes. just think top ramen is delicious. Mm-hmm. And then when you get older and have kids, you realize, oh, they bought that because it was the cheapest thing to buy <laughs> and to make. So um, th- there was uh, some struggles on the way, but they did a good job, man. Uh, but when I knew that football was going to be the one thing I followed was shortly after high school. When I decided to take a football basketball, a football scholarship over my basketball scholarships, um, just because I thought playing wide receiver was a lot easier than playing point guard for four mm-hmm. years. So I remember my junior year putting up 138 catches. I was like four catches away wow. from the NCAA record at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, I put up all those catches in a season. And while the coaches in, 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 in my school were telling me I needed to stay, 
agents were knocking on my door telling mm. me I needed to go. So mm. at that point, I made a decision to leave early at 21 years old, knowing that regardless of what happened, I would make enough money in the first couple of years to right. bless my mom and dad. And that was literally the immediate goal. I didn't think that I was going to have an 11 year career and then, you know, have um, an opportunity to continue uh, into TV um, as a personality. So um, it all started back when I was a junior and realizing that I had to I had to take a leap of faith. And then, as you acknowledge, you was drafted in the third round, 2003 Minnesota Vikings. What were the days leading up to draft day like for you? And remind us of some of the players that you played with and some of the funny locker room stories. Yeah, man, this is the 2003 draft. Uh, you know, Charles Rogers who went to Detroit, mm -hmm. rest in peace, who yeah. passed away. Um, Andre Johnson, Anquan Bolden, Bryant Johnson, Bethel Johnson, Tyrone Calico. Mm -hmm. um, not that I remember all of the receivers that went before me <laughs> and nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I remember, I remember uh, sitting there and thinking to myself, I put up crazy numbers. I'm an All-American. I had these coaches in the NFL saying I should get drafted in the first round. First round goes by, second round goes by. And then I get a call from a number that I've never seen before. And he was like, uh, hello, Mr. Burleson. I'm like, yeah, this is him. He's like, this is Mike Tice, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. We're going to select you with our third round pick. And I'm like, oh, uh, thank you. And I was actually so upset that I went late that I was taking a nap. I just was like, screw it. I'm gonna go to sleep right now. So I was like, wow. uh, all right, thanks coach. He's like, well, you don't sound too excited, son. I was like, oh, I was taking a nap. He's like, you're taking a nap during the draft? Wow. I was like, nah, just listen, I, I'm gonna be ready. <laughs> when, when you see me, I'm gonna be ready. Right. So that was, uh, that was my draft day experience. And then I walk into a locker room looking at a dude that I idolized on the field. A guy that I, I used to watch his highlight tapes of him at Marshall with the tall socks mm -hmm. wearing number 88. Mm -hmm. It's Randy Moss. And at this point, mm -hmm. Randy was an icon. So yes. I know that you can identify with this because you and your brothers, the Fab Five, mm -hmm. there was this moment in time where you guys literally influenced not just a generation, but like you have talked about and I recognize as well, generations of mm -hmm. parents naming kids. Jalen and, yes. and rocking the, the, the shorts with the socks, mm -hmm. all that. Like, you guys did that. Randy Moss did that for football. Mm -hmm. Like, he was that dude that was unapologetic, that yep. came from, um, you know, uh, humble beginnings, um, mm -hmm. rocking the afro at times, the ball head mm -hmm. at times. You know what I'm saying? Just like, he had mm -hmm. that grit to him that I only saw with y'all. So mm -hmm. I'm sitting in the locker room like, this dude is the coolest dude ever. Mm -hmm. And Randy was so misunderstood that I immediately realized that all of these stories that media was pushing about this, this wide receiver who was uncoachable and super selfish and was a little punk of a player, he mm -hmm. was none of that. He was the big bro. Um, and, and by the time, like, it, it took like a year for Randy mm -hmm. to really embrace me as a player because mm -hmm. he was one of those dudes he only showed you love if you loved the game as much as he did. I love so that. So it, it, it was almost like um, one of my favorite movies is Pleasantville with Tobey Maguire, mm -hmm. where like it's black and white for a long time. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden things started happening and you see life in color for the first time. So it was mm -hmm. almost like Randy saw me for the first time, like, damn, this young dude out of Nevada has been putting in work his mm -hmm. whole rookie season. He doesn't complain. He loves the game like I does. He's putting in work like I do. And he kind of just tucked me under his wing and was like, all right, 
I'm going to show you how to be a pro. And those were like the moments that I remember. This is 03. So you remember this time, bro. This was Mm -hmm. spinners on the cars, catwalking fur coats, crazy jewelry, big time Uh stunting. So I came in in the league. It was like, oh, this is all bracelets. All that, all that. I was like, is, is, is this the type of money we spending? So that had a that had a big influence on how I looked at football, how I looked at finances, how I looked at making money versus saving money. It was a wild time, man. And I was able to to play with guys like that, Randy Moss, and, and then years later play with Calvin Johnson, two mm. of the biggest deep threats of all time. Mm. So you know, it was it was okay for me to be the Robin to their Batman. Like, I, there's no shame in my game. It's okay to wake up knowing, like, God blessed him with the special stick. Yes. I'm going to use my skill set to compliment him. And then when it is my turn to take the stage, I'm going to show him why I'm here. See, I was young and reckless in the 2000s as well. And that was the bling, bling era. Yes. Where everything needed to be big. Earrings, multiple chains, multiple <laughs> bracelets, BMF. Yes. Got us all making it rain. Facts. That's with that era in body. And I said the majority of players, including myself, spent 100% of their first contract. Facts. Because you're buying everything for the first time. Can you back me up on that? 100%. Listen, <laughs> I, I remember getting that check, my third round check after taxes. It was like five. 24. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking half a million dollars? What? This is wild. So I went in. This is what I did. I bought the athlete starter kit, as I call it. I went and got the Escalade, right? And because all these dudes on my team was stunting, I'm looking at them with the big rims and the interior. So I'm putting TVs on top of Real TV. TVs. Real TVs. I got video games in the back. I'm never even in the back. I'm, I'm sitting there like, what am I doing? But one thing I didn't do, I bought like a small little chain, but then everything else was fake. I was like, you know what? <laughs> they're not gonna know. I'm, I'm gonna go get this fake Roly. That was smart. Big earrings. That move. Um, but I just I kept spending. And I remember my coach out of college, shout out to DJ McCarthy. He was like, buy something they don't make anymore. So I'm like, what? Like a custom chain? Like a fancy car? He's like, nah, buy some land, buy some real estate, go get you a house. And if I can go back to young Nate and tell him, I would tell him to buy some of those things. I'm blessed, though, because I was able to make a couple of contracts after that, which is why, just like you, I'm very vocal to these young guys. I'm not trying to tell you to save money because I'm trying to big brother you. I'm trying to tell you to save money because I wasted so much and I wish I would have invested in other things. Correct. And giving you game. Like in the early 90s, when I was in college, we didn't even know what a credit report was. Oh, that was something that was even getting discussed. So right. when you get the money and then you buying everything for the first time, you taking care of everybody for the first time, and then you seeing the taxes and all of that for the first time, it becomes overwhelming. It does. And, and the trust factor isn't there because we, we didn't necessarily grow up in households where my parents had a, a diverse investment portfolio and they were Correct. teaching me about stocks and bonds and annuity mm-hmm. funds. They, they weren't teaching me those things. So when somebody did try to approach me with that, it was either one of two things. One, I didn't trust you because I heard the horror stories about right. individuals signing over power of attorney and then getting mm-hmm. robbed of their money. Two, it scared me because of ignorance. It sounded like a foreign language to me. Yes. So even when you were trying to break it down in layman's term, mm-hmm. I was crawling myself into a corner because I'm thinking to, I, I don't I don't know what you're saying. Are you speaking a different language to me? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to rip me off? 
Are, are, you, are, you, are you talking circles around me? But all of that was, was my lack of knowledge on the subject matter. So these young guys, what I do appreciate about the leagues, and I believe it is all across the board, they're at least presenting it to these guys. Now yeah. they can decide which way to go down the path of financial investment. And once you started getting more experience and getting other checks, one of those teams was my hometown beloved Detroit Lions. Facts. Nate, we're winless again. Mm. What's going on with this year's Detroit Lions led by Jared Goff? I saw Dan Campbell talking after one of the games and he was in damn near tears. And I felt that. You know, while the world is laughing at Detroit, you know how this is. You have a, a different type of connection to the city. So when you're mm -hmm. seeing a team struggle, losing by field goal, record-breaking field goal, overtime mm -hmm. field goal, last-minute field goal, mm -hmm. you're thinking to yourself, and this is just our luck. Here we are again, Detroit singing the blues. Mm -hmm. It seems like the it seems like the world is against us, um, mm -hmm. but in reality, when you break down those games, I think it's just youthfulness. It's a new coaching staff, new players. They haven't learned how to kind of eke out those those tough games yet. That takes time. That takes mm -hmm. chemistry. You know what? It takes bumps and bruises and wounds that you can look at and say to yourself, "All right, we know how to compete." I remember when I got to Detroit. They were, I was two years removed from the on 16 season. Um, the year prior, we were 2-14. and 14, So there were no expectations, really. We won a handful of games a year I got there. But it took a while for us to not only weed out players that didn't want to be there, mm -hmm. but weed out that mindset that was yeah. literally entrenched in the spirits of the players. And then that following year, we made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It was like, we won a Super Bowl in Detroit. No doubt. You know what's crazy? When I got to the locker room, no doubt. the first day I got to the locker room after signing there, a guy that I knew from a previous team, he was like, yo, Nate, what's up? Man, I, I'm tripping, brought it. I didn't know that you signed here. And I'm like, yeah, why are you so surprised? He's like, oh, I thought it was a rumor because I knew there was a handful of teams that wanted to sign you after Seattle. Like, it's just crazy because I just feel like players come here to die. Like, this is mm -hmm. where you bury your career. And he wow. kind of giggled about it. And in my head, I'm thinking, they pay this dude. This dude gets mm -hmm. paid money by the Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that this is the burial grounds of NFL players' careers. So there is no way that he gives everything that he has to practice, to preparing, and on game day. So mm -hmm. in that one moment, I said to myself, at the very least, when I walk away from Detroit, I want players to have pride. Pride yes. in his colors, pride yes. in this logo. And mm -hmm. deeper than that, pride in the city. Don't just take the check, go hop in your fancy car and, and go to the hills. Don't, mm -hmm. don't just don't just go to go live in the lap of luxury and only show your face when it's time to play a game. Go mm -hmm. put yourself 10 tones down in the city. I'm talking to the places that are gritty, places mm -hmm. that might scare you after 8 p.m. Go to those mm -hmm. locations. Talk to those people. Mm -hmm. Visit with those kids. When you do that, you have so much of a connection with the city that you don't want to let that team down. And I, I would challenge players on that current roster, who are those guys? Who mm -hmm. are those guys preaching that when times are rough in the city, who are those guys holding up a mirror so the players can see the city and not themselves? I mm -hmm. remember when all the news broke about Detroit going bankrupt, and it was funny around the country, right? Oh, mm -hmm. man, they're going bankrupt. But what I kept thinking is, all right, so we're in a city that is struggling financially, yet we're millionaires. Mm -hmm. So either we are going to be completely dismissive and tone deaf to what's going on, 
or we are going to give everything we got on Sundays. So at the very minimum, the mm-hmm. people in the city that are struggling have something to smile about for seven days. Well, I know you was raised in Seattle and it was great for you to play for the Seahawks. But yeah. just so you know, as a diehard Lions fan, and shout out to our brother, Tom Mopkins, and That's a fact. your clothing line, Lion Blood, you are an all-time great Lion and a terrific ambassador for a professional athlete playing in any city. And so I appreciate your philanthropic endeavors, how you always put on for the city, and win, lose, or draw, you ride with us. And you That's already right. know when you touch down, we listen and we pay attention. You know we going to make sure we treat you like that's your home. Always. That's what right. right. I appreciate that, man. And coming from you, that means a lot, for real. Definitely. And so as you transition, in theory, from playing, and I, I, I was really applauding this move by you. You joined the broadcast boot camp with the NFL. Yeah. Had you considered a career in broadcast prior to that boot camp? Yeah, man. My first ever um, moment on TV was shortly after I got drafted. And I came on as a player. I went to the NFL Network in L.A. You know, typical player, kicking in L.A., do the show at night, loves to see himself on TV, very ego-driven. Mm-hmm. But then there was something in me that sparked, and I did that every year. And I would go to the NFL Network in Culver City in Los Angeles um, every single offseason, and sometimes I wouldn't even be invited. I would just pop up and, and lay mm-hmm. low and watch behind the scenes. Other times I would try to be a guest analyst and I would do all of their different shows. It got to a point where towards the end of my career um, and I was on the fringe of retirement, retiring, they looked at me and said, Nate, we can't pay you if you're playing. They would say, if you're, if you're playing, we're not paying. Um, but mm-hmm. we love the fact that you have established these relationships here. When you are sure you're going to retire, mm-hmm. we will be one of the first jobs available now it's it's only going to be um you know a day count so you're getting paid just on a daily basis no really annual contract um so that that was me leading up to um that broadcast boot camp and i remember a couple of guys shout out to galen duncan that was there with mm-hmm. the detroit lions when i was there um and also mo kelly who was in seattle player mm-hmm. personnel individuals that do much more for the organizations they said to me um in so many words you're going to make more money outside the game than you do in it Mm-hmm. And at the time, I just kind of laughed and I, I did the, the humble thank you, which I always do when anybody says something um, right. of complimentary nature. And it, it stuck with me because they were basically saying your football career is respected. But if you want to make an impact mm-hmm. doing um, shows and hearing yourself speak on radio is a small part of what you're able to accomplish if you fully commit to it. So once I went to the broadcast boot camp and ironically, JB was there, James Brown. Legend, um, OG. Yeah, legend, legend, the OG. And he, and it, it was one of those things where I was a standout. They kind of patted me on the back and said, hey, Nate, like, you know, you're a standout and, and we love what you do. When you do retire, you're going to have plenty of places that want to hire you. Um, but I walked away feeling more inspired because I realized there was a lot I didn't know about the mm-hmm. craft and the art of being on TV, mm-hmm. about being concise and confident, the preparation. Mm-hmm. I still at that point didn't know how to call a game as a color commentator, um, script writing, you know, uh, the details behind the scenes, um, mm-hmm. production and, mm-hmm. and you know, what it's like to, to create a segment, produce a segment, and then go out there and host and be an analyst in a segment. Yeah. So I, I felt like a rookie again. And I mm-hmm. think in that moment, I thought to myself, all right, 
if I want to create a new chapter, one that is fulfilling, I'm going to go into TV. And not only that, it's going to be hard. And in 2014, I put my head down and I started working. I, I, I think I, everything that the NFL offers to the viewer, mm-hmm. I worked in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And you know how it is. When you first start, yeah. it's not yeah. like the money's big, but the opportunity is. Right. Well said. And I'm curious because you're a voice of so many things. And in professional sports, in particular in the NBA, 96% of the players are vaccinated. I am as well. I've been a champion of doing so. I have been somebody looking at people that's like they're crazy that choose not to get vaccinated. That's my personal choice. But a player like Kyrie Irving in the NBA, what advice would you give him? Well, one, I, I have to have some sensitivity to Kyrie because, one, it is a personal choice. Um, people say, well, you don't just get vaccinated for yourself. You get vaccinated for your team and your family. We don't know what's going on with it. his family structure uh, that could be causing him to make his decision. Um, so I had to ask him. And thirdly, and this is on the opposite end of the spectrum of me understanding or having some understanding is that there is a lot of misinformation. I'm not saying that he has misinformation, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of information out there that can cause yep. hesitation. Now, just like you, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, I, I wanted to make sure when I did that I had all of the information that I needed. So I am safe, my family is safe, and the people that I work with. And I, you know, I work for CBS, NFL Network, and also Nickelodeon. Um, so I wanted to make sure that when I stepped into work, people weren't concerned about their health. I think that's the biggest thing. I heard Charles Spark, Charles Barkley speak on this, Shaq, among other guys in the NBA, Magic Johnson, uh, Kareem, and of course you. If Kyrie does indeed want to play, I feel like he should heavily consider getting vaccinated, even though he is hesitant about it. Now, if it was a decision where just wholeheartedly he did not want to do it, then like I was talking to with my brother who was a coach for the Minnesota Vikings, shout out to my guy, Kevin Burleson. Um, he was saying, you know, Kyrie might just sit out. And if he sits out, then we can't blame the NBA for not paying him. And we can't blame Kyrie for dealing with the consequences. I would say to Great Kyrie, point. you are one of the best players in the NBA. One of the best guards to ever touch the rock. The NBA is better when you are healthy and on the court. So I would love to see you healthy on and off the court. And I would just say, consider getting vaccinated. That's well said. And I know your time is limited, but I have to ask you about one thing. Yeah. Your rap career, family. Ah! You know what I'm saying? Your rap name is New Balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's been your connection to hip hop throughout your life? What are you listening to these days? And are we going to get a new rap project from you anytime soon? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, just like you, I grew up in the culture, so I'm heavily influenced by hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's more about just like you when you listen, um, the lyrics and the way they're put together. I feel mm-hmm. like uh, some of the rap artists that we listen to and admire are some of the greatest poets this world mm-hmm. has ever seen. I listen to music on a daily basis. And uh, yeah, I, I write all the time. Most of it is in the form of poetry. 
Uh, but I'm always ready to drop a 16. Uh, I've been working yeah. on a project and, and trying to put some stuff together. So I got something on deck. Always got something on deck. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, I oh, love man. that. I love that. Stay tuned. My man yeah. got some bars on deck. I got bars on. I, listen, hold on. Wait, I, I'll give you I'll give you an exclusive. Uh, just Let's do that. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, and, and this is just uh, something that I wrote about what was going on in the country. Um, and I yes. just thought it was yes. it was very it was very fitting. All right. So. Um, all right. So <clears throat> this is called the mission. What's the mission? Hate is our addiction. Please sit down and listen because we need an intervention. What's the mission? Is it vision? Ironic 2020 had a seeing things so different. We're supposed to be equal, but that message isn't clear, though. My feelings are super villains are acting like superheroes. Another mm. sketch to reflect who's dead in the streets, illustrate pain, stained blood, red in the streets. Mm. This is our lives. Explain it. Why I try? If you're not black, it's hard to connect like Wi-Fi. Mm. What's the mission? Mm. Is it silence? Because if you ignore the violence, then that means you are complicit. What's the mission? Mm. Are we in this together? Because indecision only leads to our division. For every sense of murder that you heard or are you witness, we will mm. fight for equal rights until the day that this is finished. That's mm. the mission. Bars! <laughs> Bars! And you know what that reminded me of? And I appreciate how you spit because of, I was watching Karis One and Big Daddy Kane's yes, verses. Yes, sir! And that sound inspired by those type of artists yes. who gave us intellect, politics, and discipline in our bars, in yes. their bars. So Chuck D and Karis, those are like uncles. Yeah, that's a fact. In the studio. They are, they are professors that taught us how to write and how to listen. They taught us how to listen to music. Absolutely. And before I let you get out of here, and I appreciate you taking the time, I like to do a rapid fire segment okay. called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do, do this? It. All right. Who's your favorite sports broadcast journalist of all time? Oof. I would say Ahmad Rashad. Legend. Best of yeah. both worlds. Best of both worlds. He was a football superstar. And then he was inexplicably next to Jordan doing NBA, and those shows were so dope back in the day. Amara Rashad. Bobby Moore, before he changed his name, D.O.G. If yes, you could sir. give a rap feature to any artist, what song would you want to jump on? I got to jump on something with Jay-Z, man. And, mm. and you know what? And, and I, you know what I'm going to do? Mm. Is I'm going to do the, the remix to Renegade, mm. Jay, Eminem, and Ooh. Nate Brothers. <laughs> Never been afraid to say what's on my mind at any given hey. time of day. And by the way, just so you know, Royce, Royce on that song. I know, you know I know. Yes. Royce now was supposed to be on that. Yes. You know no I know. Question. Hey, shout out to Royce. Shout out to Royce, who is my favorite lyricist of all time. Nickel Nine, no doubt. Give him his flowers while he can still smell them. Who's your favorite suit designer? Oh, myself. Check out Baines and Baker, man. I design mm. suits. And Jalen, I got to get you in one, man. Done. In the house. Done, done, and done. Whenever you ready, we're going to link up, get sized up. And we. I would love to make that happen. And last but certainly not least, what is your favorite thing about being a morning show co-host for CBS Morning? Jill has said this, and she put it perfectly. 
we have a front row seat to history mm. and the responsibility is for us to de deliver that to the masses on a daily basis um, that is my favorite part about being on cbs mornings thank you my brother i love and appreciate you love and you too bro there are a handful of us that have been able to transition from the game of sport to the game of life and use this entertainment space and our versatility as producers and entrepreneurs and radio and TV and network and able to juggle it all and still be a coach like yourself with your kids playing football. Just keep doing what you're doing, my brother, and looking forward to catching up soon. I appreciate you, man. I love you too. And I have to say this before we go, um, Jalen, it is no surprise that you are where you're at um, because your success is a reflection of not only your hard work, but it's the energy that you put out into this world. People don't know that behind the smile is tireless nights, um, even when you're dealing with things that people don't see. Um, secondly, you have always, always spoke positivity into everyone, including myself. Even when I was starting my career in the infancy stages, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, trying to figure out if I was going to go on the TV after football, you looked at me and told me I'd be great before I even was. And that right there, it meant a lot because no. I would always lean on those conversations. And that happened as soon as I retired. And then last thing, you got the coldest lineup in the history of the world. I don't know how you beat out Steve Harvey. I don't know how you beat, beat out Martin Lawrence. Uh, there's some iconic lineups in black history. Thanks. Every single poster on the barbershop wall. And Jalen's out here doing it. Every time he gets cut, I just don't get it. I appreciate you, family. I'm about to go get a fresh one and head to MSG right now as we tip off the NBA season. All love. Yes, Peace indeed. Out. Peace out. Love. Last call. Last call. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nate Brosen. You're far too kind. Appreciate you stopping by, my brother. He even dropped a quick 16 bars for us. Nate Burleson is an amazing example of a Renaissance man. He and so many things that are currently happening right now just have me inspired. I watched the WNBA, Candace Parker. My friend, I want to have her on the show. The Chicago Sky, she returned home, won the championship with the team her first year. How about Issa Rae launching her series finale on HBO at just 36 years of age and watching people like my brother Nate take on new challenges. This feels like a season for winning. I encourage you to remain open to new opportunities. 2022 is around the corner and I feel like it's gonna be my year, your year, our year. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.